One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the show where we follow our guests as they time travel back through their lives using music instead of a modified DeLorean. I'm your host, Richard Chinqui. My guest today is James Hake, the third. James is the president of Scout Comics, a publishing house for creator-owned comics that also connects writers and artists and their characters with producers of movies, TV shows, and video games. James himself is the creator of several comics, including Solar Flare, set in a post-apocalyptic world brought about by sudden disabling of technology, codename Ric Flair, a comic about the secret agent adventures of Ric Flair, the pro wrestler, who worked on the comic with James, and The Mall, a comic about three teens in the 80s that become owners of mall stores that are actually mob fronts. James was kind enough to have us come to the Scout Comics shop where they sell and ship their comics and collectibles from Fort Myers, Florida, so we went on location for this one. Hey there, James. Hello. How you doing, man? Doing well. Thanks for being on. If you could take any mainstream comic IP and do your take on it as a writer, Ooh. Uh, what would your version of that story look like or those characters? So one of the, I get that question quite, quite Ooh, frankly okay. a lot okay. because uh, you know I write independent yes, comics. Yes. So everyone's like, well, if you wrote a book for Marvel or DC, mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. would you, what would you go after? And I do a lot of interviews too with our creators on some of our social media channels, and I ask that question too. Mm-hmm. So I have a unique response. Like I don't really want to do the big characters like Batman, Superman. Yeah. I'm more the obscure characters. So I have a. Have you ever heard of Damage Control? I haven't. So Damage Control is in the Marvel Universe, okay. and they made a, you know, they're stated in a lot of the movies. It's basically the organization that cleans up oh, after sure. yeah. the super vet hill, you know, mm-hmm, villains mm-hmm. and hero battles. So I would that would be my way of writing a superhero comic where just say it was like a fight between Hulk and somebody. Yeah. So I could write Hulk, but really focus on the damage. Control. Yeah, you could throw those characters in the background, too. Yes. <laughs> That's always great. And then DC would be, am, have you heard of Ambush Bug? No. So Ambush Bug is like the original break the fourth wall character, kind of like Deadpool. Okay. He's just like this homeless bug superhero that no one really remembers, and he kind of floats the... <gasps> he's pretty amazing. I get it. So for those yeah. of you who don't know, Google Ambush idea. Bug. I think eventually James Gunn, he just took over the mm-hmm. DC universe. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling he's going to bring okay. Ambush Bug. So those are my my two obscure sure. characters. Well, I, I, always, I always like when, um, when they give people the freedom to um, kind of read not just do like a story in a universe, mm-hmm. but to take a character and kind of play as big as they want, like a total, a totally different take. Elseworld stuff is yep. all, is always fun. Um, okay, uh, so an actual three song stories question: How would you describe um, your musical background, the background of your childhood with music? Music, as uh, you hear all the time, is like what the soundtrack of life. Hmm. So it's such a big, important part of my life. Um, I, I kind of listen to everything but country. I'm not a big country fan. My wife and I joke about it all the time because we have fa- good friends that are big time country fans. Um, yeah, I, I guess when I was younger, I started with uh, like grunge, alternative, '80s music. Uh, that's kind of like my jam right now. Is listen to like, nostalgia is in in a lot of things, including in sure. my head. Yeah. So I listen to a lot of '80s uh, tunes. I, I like a little bit of everything. Okay. How old were you when those '80 tunes, '80s tunes were really popular? Uh, I was young. I was in. You know, it was right when you can start really like you start listening to music. I, I was born in 1980, so okay. eight nine. Okay. You know, ten years old when I started listening to this stuff, and it just reminds me of a 
an easier time in life, right? <laughs> yeah. Childhood, we don't have the responsibilities that you do when you're running businesses or being parents and sure. friends. And, Were yeah. your parents listening to the same kind of music? Absolutely not. Yeah, what did they listen to in So, that? oh gosh, it's such a funny thing is uh, my dad's really into um, classical and jazz, which I okay. dig. But what I don't dig is the new age jazz that he had. Hmm. So, and it's still to this day where it's hysterical, where, yeah, <laughs> where we would, his hands in a... we would go up. I grew up in Fort Myers, so <laughs> yeah. uh, remember South Point Cinema? South Point Cinema, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that was like the big hangout. The Dollar, yeah. the dollar yeah. 50 yeah. movie theater? The Dollar 50 show. Yeah. I forgot I have a microphone. It's a church now. It's a church <laughs> yeah. now. So, um, yeah, we used to go there like every Friday night. It was big. And uh, it just, th- at that time, it was like grunge and rock and mm-hmm. industrial music was big. And we just gallivanting with my friends and my dad would pick us up myself and a good buddy of mine who lived across the street and it would always be this new age jazz music <laughs> so you go from like just you know like teenage debauchery to all of a sudden like this kenny g Ken- i was just gonna ask if kenny g was on <laughs> the it's list like, uh, uh, what yeah. is- luckily we didn't live far i lived in town river so it wasn't a very <laughs> far drive but man it was it was mind-blowing richard he's probably listening to echoes on double echoes oh, yes that show I, it, that was that was and pipe, oh, dream, that, pipe dreams. Pipe dreams. That was another one. Oh. Yeah. yeah. All right. But he listens to everything, and he's like, I mean, he got me into Blue Note jazz. Sure. He's like, hey, if it's a Blue Note uh, label, mm-hmm. it's amazing, and he's right. And okay. uh, yeah, so my dad, uh, again, big time music. Um, even though our genres are different, but he really, my myself and my sisters, he promoted. I get Our you. music tastes. Uh, any um, any instruments in the house from you or them? Uh, there was a piano. We had a baby grand piano Everybody for learned. years. Everybody learned. To play uh, it. I you? did not. My sister did. Okay. She hated it. I never. <laughs> unfortunately, I never. I tried guitar. Uh, what's cool is my daughter's really into guitar now. She's okay. self-taught. How old is she? She is fifteen. Oh, I know. So she's breaking out. She's gonna be a rock star. Yeah, it's, I think she <laughs> wants to be. But what's impressive is now with YouTube and all the self-tutorial things. Yeah. She like basically taught herself, and she has a an elective in school right now in high school where she's taking guitar and like mm-hmm. she's advanced because I mean it's incredible. I, maybe so it would cool. have been different, you know, if the internets the were around back when we were kids. But yeah, uh, I was able to find like tablature, you know, as mm-hmm. a kid. Um, but but the ability I I watched one of my nieces. L- Play on the piano I have in my house. Mm-hmm. Look, teach herself a song by watching those. You know the the yeah. keyboard, the notation. I don't know what it's called, but they they had it, rock band and guitar hero. Which right? Were, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the fact that they can they can watch a video that shows which keys to press at what time over and over and over again means that like while like some of the theory is not there, but but if you want to play the instrument, you can play it. Yeah. And that's that's amazing. And I think that's what she's learning in our guitar class. Of course. The actual oh, yeah, theory yeah, behind yeah, it instead of the memorization of the keys, you know? Okay. Uh, what's uh, the first time you remember seeing somebody perform music live, like in a room with you? Ooh, that's a really good question. I don't know. The first thing that popped in my head mm-hmm. was the first concert that I saw. Sure. So it was at the Draft House. Do you guys remember the Draft House downtown Fort Myers? Heck I yeah. Have been here. I don't yeah. The so I was there, man. Yeah. <laughs> awesome place. My very first concert it was the early 90s. Ska music was really oh, starting to I get in. Oh, I loved when that happened. Yeah. And there was a band called the Pie Tasters. Okay. And I got to see that was my first concert. And I just I okay. remember it. So okay. Yeah. You still listen to Ska sometimes? I do. I Some of should... the old school stuff, I like the newer. I mean, you have your, your third wave ska, okay. right? Which is like the 80s, slack, um, the selector, specials, et cetera. Okay. And then you have the Jamaican ska. 
And that's Scow. what I, yes. Scow. We'll listen to that more because my wife's really into reggae and Jamaican. Okay. So. I am Chinese Jamaican. So oh, nice. I grew up with I I every every couple of years I unlock a new song that I didn't know that I knew, but mm-hmm. I'll bounce into it and go, Oh, my dad used to play that. I just don't know what song it is. That's you awesome. Know. Um I should have worn my five iron frenzy shirt. Yes. Because, wow. Uh, I used to listen to them a ton and they played a reunion show a few years ago and I drove up to Orlando for one night show because I had to see like, that's awesome see them. so I've had to buy a bunch of like a shirt and a poster and all that what was the first music that you owned that was yours oh it's kind of a perfect transition oh see it's uh, my first song and it's you too it's you too it was the uh, Rattle and Hum album it uh, was actually an LP it was a record we had a record player. My dad's always been big into records, so. But your song is not on that album. No, it's not. Okay, do you want to tell us the story of your first song, or do you want to listen to your first song and then tell the story? I think this one, we were going to listen to it first, and yeah, then sure. I'll tell the story. All right, well, then let's go to this first song here. Um, this is James Hake's first song on this week's episode of Three Song Stories. It's Pride in the Name of Love by U2, off their 2003 album, The Unforgettable Fire. All right. Uh, so, what's the story, James? So, U two uh, is my favorite band. Okay, I've seen them, gosh, over a dozen times throughout my life, and I could probably state I don't know fifteen, twenty different U two songs that have that I could tell you like long, drawn out stories about. But that one was um, the reason why I picked that particular song was it was uh, the song that basically made me that diehard fan. Uh, it kind of takes place, uh, it was 1994. I, I believe the song came out in 84. So it was like 10 years later. I was 14 years old. Uh, my grandfather passed away. Okay. And James Hake Sr., my dad's dad. And we were, um, it was just his, his last few years of life. Oh, words. sorry. I, I should mention, your yeah. name is James Hake the third. Yes, it is yeah, the third. Okay. I always joke around like it's royalty. <laughs> it's not as fancy. It's okay. not though. So, but, <laughs> uh, so. Anyways, James yeah. Hank Sr. passed away yeah. and um, it was, you know, a rough go at the end because uh, he had prostate cancer and it was just a big thing. And this, you know, I'm 14. So you start learning, you start becoming essentially a you know, mm-hmm. teenager adult mm-hmm. and you remember things more, at least yeah. I do. And, and you feel it, them big. Yeah. Time yeah. Time. And I just remember it was a big thing because he lost all like they had to do operations sure. and do a certain thing and i yeah. think he had like a colostomy bag and sure it was just the last few months of his life were pretty rough and it was like my first major death that i had to deal with mm-hmm. uh as a kid and um it sounds like it's a negative story but on the way to the funeral that song was playing and i just remember something my dad said um just about like you know losing your pride right mm-hmm. and then that mm-hmm. song came on and i just thought it was very I don't know. It was very powerful, and it stuck with me. And then I had uh, my dad's a big thrift store. <laughs> like uh, still to this day, he goes to all the different thrift stores: Salvation Army, you know, the uh, Pope Papias Catholic Church, you know, all family these different thrift. ones. Yes, the family thrift stores. And uh, we used to buy a lot of our music there, like records. And I remember finding that album, Unforgettable Fire. Mm. And uh, yeah, then then I just became obsessed with you two. Never okay. since, and still I am to this day, what, 40, 30-plus years later. So, Do you find yourself listening to that song pretty often then? I, I mean, do. I mean, there's so many different songs sure. You know, from that band, and they've just reinvented themselves consistently and constantly throughout time, and just different periods of my life, you know, happiest moments, sad moments. U2 is kind of 
there, but I look at all of them positive, to tell you the truth. So, Were you one of the people that was not mad when the iPhone came I wasn't. You mean the U2 virus, as yeah. people call it? I just It's so funny that you say that. I just went to Savannah with a group of friends uh, for my uncle's uh, bachelor party. I'm going to be the best man in his wedding, and we kind of did a joint uh, trip because uh, it was my anniversary mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend Bev, uh, shout out to you, Bev, hates U2. <laughs> And uh, I just, I'm a jokester. You'll probably find out, especially at the end of this uh, three song story. But uh, I would constantly throughout the trip just send her pictures of Bono. <laughs> you know how you can airdrop yeah. pictures? And I figured out how to do it. And if you do a picture, for those of you who want to prank your friends or family members, mm. if you send a picture, if you send a video, they have to accept it to see the video. But the picture, they'll see It'll the picture. Load. And it says, do you want to accept it? <laughs> so just randomly throughout the entire trip, I'd space it out perfectly. We're just funny memes of Bono. So, yes, she was very angry about the the YouTube virus. I loved it. I didn't have to of pay course, for the album. Yeah, you free know? songs. Um, uh, you should check out episode 73 of this show. Okay. Uh, we had uh, Neil Voltz, who's a mover and shaker in town, nationally also. But he, um, he once almost had the chance to have stolen Bono's sunglasses. Oh, very cool. Um, and also ended up meeting him and becoming, uh, they became like prayer group friends. Oh, like very they would, cool. They would... I had this amazing experience. I'll tell you a quick story sure. about it. Is, um, so in 2001, I got to see the very first uh, concert of their Elevation tour. Yep. And my friends and my wife to this day still get on me because I don't buy tickets in advance. I always like to do the scalpers because what I do is I bring the two, two different scalpers together Make a you know, out. and I'll be like, hey, who's going to, who wants the ticket, you know? Sure. So I remember I went with a group of friends down there. I drove. There was about four of us. And uh, I didn't have tickets. They did, and it was sold out. So I went there blind, not knowing if I was even going to get tickets. So I did that. Um, I didn't pull the two scalpers together. I just stumbled across this guy who was there, and uh, he had, like, 12th row tickets. Whoa. And he had one open. And uh, he's like, hey, I remember when I was a kid, um, my favorite musician is bruce springsteen i did the same thing that you did because i somehow i just take a chance told him i took a chance and i end up getting like front row and bruce springsteen in jersey so this is like my pay it forward well it turns out that gentleman was building hotels for bono like they were about to build a hotel in dublin or anything and he was invited with his family his wife was there and his son just didn't want to (laughs) go And uh, it was there. It was such a yeah. It was an amazing you experience. Bringing your son from Dublin to America, like like we're going to the concert. No, he was he was out of Miami. Oh, okay. He okay. was out of Miami. He was out of Miami. Yes, okay. but he was okay. going to Dublin okay. to do it. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll I'll never. Yeah. I'll, I don't regret it, but I do regret. It. I don't know what the proper term is, sure. but he he's like, hey, we have backstage passes. Do you want to go meet him? But my buddies and his girlfriend and my other friend were there, and we were separated, and I was their ride. You're a good friend, James. And I didn't go. Um, interesting enough, that same story, apparently that hotel didn't go well for Bono. And I remember reading this article where he was like one of the worst investors of all time Oof. in like Forbes. And then 10 years later, he reversed that because okay. he was one of the founding or one of the uh, venture capitalists that put in money for Facebook. So when Facebook oh, went wow. public, well, that'll do it. he ended up making all that money back and then some. So yeah, a little side story, but that was an amazing I got a little side story, too. Side, uh, side story. Another Bono story from this show is my childhood friend, Bob Goodwin, who got to meet Bono a number of times because he he's fancy. And the first time he met him, like he wound up sitting next to him at a bar at an event, and he had a Guinness, and he looked over, and Bono had a white wine, and he was like, ah, good Irish boy, white wine, huh? And Bono just looked at him. 
got up and walked away. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. <laughs> Shamed him. Uh, like, you don't know me well enough to make that joke, son. Oh, wow. How long ago was that? Oh, probably, I have to ask Bob, I'm going to guess about a decade ago. Yeah. Not not super long ago, not earlier in their career, sort of later, Bono. Have you guys heard Inhaler yet? Do you know the band Inhaler? Uh, I don't think so, no. It's Bono's son. Interesting. And he sounds just it, like a cross yeah. between the killers and, and you two, early you two. Like I like War. that sentence. It's amazing. Okay. He's super talented. His daughter is like an actress. She was on the, the Nick, which was an amazing series with Clive Owen that was on uh, Cinemax. But yeah, his, okay. again, talented kids too. Uh, this is nothing about anything, but did you see that uh, um, Kurt Cobain's daughter just married yeah. Tony Hawk's son? Wait, what? Yeah. No, that's, yeah. wow. Yeah, I just Francis wanted to Bean. say that into a microphone. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Did not know that. <laughs> the more you learn, the more you know, right? <laughs> um, uh, was, was this song... Um, was this song big in your friend group when it was out? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah? No? No. no. <laughs> you two, because I, I, I remember, because we were similar in age, mm -hmm. I remember you two being um, uh, weirdly passe among my friends. It was, I don't know, it was interesting because uh, it was almost like I called the Dave Matthews band. Yeah. Right, where like all different, you could like rap, you could like other stuff, and you two, it was right when the Octung Baby came out. Like I was after that song. Sure. You know, it was two, three albums after mm -hmm. That I discovered that song and Octung Baby came out. So I just remember in my group of friends who listened to all, I mean, some of them listened to like, you know, Sepultura, like yeah. dark, yeah. you know, metal, and then others that listened to to rap liked Mysterious Ways by U2. That was kind of the, the sure. song that would build foundations between music genres. <laughs> but no, generally speaking, not a lot of my friend groups liked U2. I was kind of loner in that. Sounds like I still am in a lot of avenues <laughs> with some of my current friend groups. Um, what was the music scene among them? Other, I mean, it was you said it was wide, it was kind of wide sweeping, but those are also kind of outliers, especially yeah. like like Sepulchre was like, I mean, death metal, hard stuff. Um, I were, had so many different. You guys groups. all kind of. My nickname was the Mayor because I like got along with everybody. Oh, like, okay, I liked grunge and kind of dress grungy, but I was also I played baseball, uh, sure. and I was into sports. So it was kind of, uh, I, I was in many different worlds. Okay. So it, it depended on which group I was with and what they listened to. But yeah, grunge was a big thing, obviously, like uh, just during that time. And ska, like I said mm -hmm. uh, earlier, that grunge was ska, another big strange one. Strange Bedfellows. Yes. Yeah. And I got really, really into ska because there were some amazing ska bands back in the day, too. And uh, yeah, it was just a little bit of everything. Okay. Um. So I know that you've said before that you have wanted to write or been kind of writing since you were eight. Mm -hmm. But um, when did you get into comics themselves? Like well, not, I got into not... comics when I was eight. Oh, you got into comics when you were eight. Yeah. Okay. How did that happen? Like, would, like, do you remember kind of? I do. It was a, a good buddy of mine, Jason Martin. If you're listening, what's up, Jason? And uh, he was my uh, comic seller. He would sell. I went to Cypress Lake Middle School. Okay. And he would bring comics and he would sell them. But oh. what really got me into comics with my neighbor growing up, one of my closest friends, Josh Waters, he got me into Marvel. I was really into sports cards, like baseball okay. cards. Yeah. And they came out with Marvel's Universe Series One. I remember those. Do you remember those yeah. on the back? And they had the ratings, like, yes. the power levels, on how many yeah. wins and losses mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you would have. Mm -hmm. Like Wolverine won three thousand fights and lost two. Yeah. Kind of crazy. I'm curious on where they came up with those. Also, numbers. hard. That's that's really rough because in a printed medium, like by yeah. the time it gets to the store, that number could be different. Exactly. Like so uh, yeah, it was really the Marvel Universe cards, and then they would give you updates on like, hey, these were the first appearances, and then the combination of those and my buddy Jason selling uh books it was insane 
Uh, again, little side story again. These uh, are all great. All right, yeah, well, yeah. So the very first comic I bought, I don't remember what issue number it was. It was a Web of Spider-Man. Spider-Man had like three different series, Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man, and Web of Spider-Man. Yep. So Web of Spider-Man, and it had a cover, uh, an image of Spider-Man, a villain named Hobgoblin, and then a hero named Moon Knight, who still is one of my favorite of characters yeah, to the day. Yeah. And I'm telling this story after going, Megacon is like the big Florida comic book Love convention. going to Megacon. It's great. Yeah. And what's nice is when you, when you table there, you're a creator there, a lot of the creators get together, and there were some old school comic guys, and one of those, uh, Alex Saviak who uh, to this day, until Stanley passed away, he was still doing the Stanley Daily newspaper. Um, Spider-Man, I don't know if people know that, but Stanley, really up until he died, was still writing Spider-Man yeah. for uh, just newspaper strip, like the old school newspaper. Anyway, I'm telling this story. Alex was the, the artist of that cover, wow. which was wild. Wow. He's like, I did that, and he was the, the interior artist of the book and everything. So it was really cool, and Alex is a Florida creator. He's over there on the East Coast, and uh, it was just really neat. Which, uh, which issue is it? Uh, I don't remember oh, to this okay. day. I still don't remember. I just uh, remember the issue. I'll like see the cover. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's. I'll okay. find it. That's but fine. it's so cool. Um, so so was. I mean, I know that you know with the cards, you're kind of jumping in lots of directions. But mm-hmm. would you say you know Spider Man was kind of the the step in to the wider universe? Oh, of Comics for you, yeah. Yep. And then um, really the first one that I bought at a comic book store. There yeah. was a comic book, a couple of cool comic book stores in Cape Coral, uh-huh. and of course Record Trader Run, uh, Record Trader One. A shout out to Ralph Tarantino, who uh, again practically helped raise me because my dad would take me there all the time, and I buy my comics there for many many years. But the first one that I officially bought at a comic store mm-hmm. was Batman versus Drudge Dread. Do you remember that one? It was like I remember a when thicker, it happened, but I never so gorgeous. Yeah. Simon um, Beasley is the Beasley, artist, yeah. and he just unbelievable. And yeah, I still love that comic. There's certain comics out there. I talked to a lot of my uh, colleagues and comic buddies mm-hmm. where there's certain comics where if you see it. Mm-hmm. Even if you have a copy of it, you're still going to buy it. Yeah, and that's one of them where I just I get the super nostalgia over. So, do you have a um? This is I look. I know the industry you work in. Mm-hmm. You're you're at you. We're in a comic shop. I haven't said it the whole time we've been here, but we are live here in Scout Comics here in Fort Myers. Um, it is a combination like store slash publishing house. Yeah. Um, so you are the president, mm-hmm. and so you know. I'm going to ask you a question here. Sure. Uh, you know what? We're going to make it easy. You can't answer any of the people who are under your label. Okay. <laughs> do you have a favorite artist? Or like, do you have a, like an artist oh, yeah. that like in your heart, like you're like, I want to see more. Them, yeah, I want to see them draw oh, all the time. Absolutely. I have a couple. Yeah. One is, uh, his name is Frank Quitely. Okay. And it's it's a, a fake name because if you switch this Q and the F, it's quite frankly. Quite frankly. And he's done a lot That's of cute. stuff. I love, love, love his art. And okay. then one that I'm a diehard fan, one of my favorite characters is a character named madman okay and the artist is mike allred Allred. and uh again he's one of my favorite artists it's very cool my bucket list thing mike if you happen to be listening to this is to get one of my own comics to have him do a cover now one of our books called ghost planet yeah actually um the artist sean von gorman uh knows mike and we have like we published a Mike Allred cover, so I'm getting closer to that. If you could pick one of your your comics, the ones mm-hmm. you've written mm-hmm. for him to do, if he was like, you pick, I'll, I'll do any of them. Just tell me which one would you? Mine, have? Mine's more realistic based. Yeah. So it, like I, I'm not too like I haven't lost sleep over not having him doing because sure. I don't know if it would fit the style, but probably the one called Third Wave '99, the surfing one. Yeah, yeah. the surfing one, just because yeah. I've seen him. 
his style's kind of got that old 60s style like, okay. art. Okay. So I think that would probably uh, fit. Yeah. I, I understand the, the need to reach out or, or pick up something if you see it, because mm-hmm. um, a ways back, uh, um, I try to remember the site that I got it from, but I my friend sent me an email that uh, they were doing a limited run of the, the Jim Lee X-Men yes. uh, four-part cover, mm-hmm. but like in a wide shot. Um, and they were going to run like whatever, 200 of them with the signature. And I was like, I'm going to be ordering one of those right now. Um, that was my, that was the first one that I bought was, was the I, X-Men I number one. Yeah. I was like, I was like eight or nine and I didn't know how the numbering worked. So it said mm-hmm. X-Men one. And I was like, it's X-Men one. I'm going to buy that. It's going to be worth a million dollars and it's worth about what you know I paid why? for I think it that's then. the most printed comic book it of might, all time. It might be. Yeah, yeah. They made so many of them. Um, but, uh, but I'm still, still one of the best. Dude. I still have fond memories behind Richard, that I got too. like three of those. Exactly. No. <laughs> oh, my, so my, my dad actually had a Spider-Man two. Nice. Um, and my grandma threw it away one day when she was just cleaning like his room. <laughs> wow. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, now Mike says something about like, you have three. You're like, I just oh, got them in the joking. mail. Right oh no, no, I, I don't have any. No, but we, we would joke all. around. Yeah. X-Men one would be that where it, you just you like could, everyone got it issued in the mail. Them. Yeah. You know, you're just like, Hey, I didn't even, I don't even collect comics and yeah. I got this. It was like getting an AOL CD. <laughs> we used to say that me and my, uh, my friends when we were younger, that was Pearl Jam. 10 album uh, like everyone had it it was like yeah it was just issued in the mail to us yeah. like it, it's there like everyone has that album just yeah. like everyone if you even kind of liked comics have x-men number one yeah i it's it's x-men one yeah. <laughs> it's um, great yeah um all right so um did you know then as you got into it and you got kind of into i know not professional writing but like create being creative writing stories in mm-hmm. your head or writing for just for fun like did you know you wanted to do comics because i know that you didn't start here no no it's so weird i never thought i could because i say this story all the time yeah. when i'm interviewed where it's like my circle looks like a square like i have no artistic talent as far as drawing goes yeah. like it's really really bad and uh, I just, for some reason, I thought I, that was like a metaphor. My circle looks like a square. No, I wish I could make saying. it like that, where it was so like my heart's so bad, it's good, you know. Yeah. But no, I can't even play that card. It, it's just bad. And I don't know. I just never took it that next step. Like I always bought my dad. And again, shout out to my mom and dad. My dad, they've just been uh, they're amazing parents. And my dad would take me uh, when I was younger and like 11, 12, 13 years old, and I would travel the like the southwest florida area sarasota naples fort myers and we would do uh comic book shows mm-hmm. and it's kind of how i became a stockbroker that's uh, i own my own financial practice here in bonita springs and that's uh comics actually led to my career in, in finance that inevitably led to comic books which is kind of a weird way of doing it but it was the smarter way of doing it i think i agree um <laughs> so yeah he would take where i would find like a cool comic or like a first appearance because those always seem to sell and you know, with allowance money or whatever, I'd buy it. And then we would go to convention or these conventions and these in hotels and Gulf Coast Mall and Coastland Mall. And we'd set up tables and he would there, you know, he helped promote like that stuff. You were and doing what you're doing now. Exactly. <laughs> on a much smaller scale. And sure. I just remember when I decided to become a stockbroker, because I pretty much knew when I was in high school, it was the talk that I had with my dad. He's like, because I remember buying Ren and Stimpy number two. <laughs> this is when Ren and Stimpy was big. And Ren and Stimpy number two was, this is where I learned about supply and demand. It was super, super rare. And uh, I remember seeing it at Walden Books and Edison Mall, and I bought all of them that were there. And it was going in the comic book price guide. It was called Comics Value Monthly and mm-hmm. Wizard Magazine. Mm-hmm. Those were the two in price Wizard. guides. Oh. Yes. And it was going for like $30, $40. Oh. 
And I bought them for, I was like a buck and a quarter. Yeah. And I bought like 10 of them. I bought them all out at Walden Books. And we went to a store and I didn't sell all of them because, you know. But you didn't have, you had to sell 10. Yeah, yeah. But I sold two. And my dad's like, what if I told you there was a place where you find the similar deal and there's always a buyer and there's always a seller? And I'm like, "Mm, tell me more, father. (laughs) And he's like, and that's where he told me, explained to me about stocks, you know, and how like you can buy Apple, you can buy Microsoft. And there's always a buyer and a seller with a stock as long as that stock market is open. And that's when I became fascinated and I interned with his his business and then went to work with uh, – I got my finance degree at UCF and then immediately went to work with Edward Jones, uh, opened my own mm-hmm. offices, and then took over my dad's pra- practice in 2006. And even though I'm 43, I've been in a stockbroker for 21 years. Wow. It's crazy to think. It used to be like I had a baby face, so I would purposely re- – have a beard so it didn't look so young and now now, you now know, it just happens getting gray hair and now it's like <laughs> i don't have to it, by the way i'm still at 43 i think the last time i looked it's been a few years so like my numbers could be off but the average starting age for a stockbroker is still 46 so even though i have 21 years in the business i still haven't hit the starting age yet which is pretty cool that is very cool you you basically start with two decades of experience yeah and it was all and i got a head start by <laughs> yeah. the way too so when i took over uh edward uh, when i Started with Edward Jones. I was lucky enough to take over an existing office. I was young, I was 21 sure. years old. And like I took one over in um, Shelby, North Carolina, where I still have clients to this day. Wow. And it was an office that had like, you know, five years worth, I had five years worth of clientele. So not only was I 21, but I had a five year head start. It was just wild. And I, again, I, I, I like side stories. These are so great. just yeah. tell me to stop it's whenever. about you, James. <laughs> so I'll never forget this where. At certain levels, you would have to go get additional training, and and uh, Edward Jones was based out, is based out of St. Louis, and uh, I got to the there was four levels at the time, and I got to level three, and it was like record timing. So I went to they fly you out, and it was like a day and a half course. So I remember the final day, and it was so weird. I've never felt this it was single twenty four hour period where we had classes in the morning, and they flew us out. And at the time, I was dating this girl, and she was still going to UCF. So I had it where in the morning I'm in this room, 21 or 22 at the time, and like everybody there, I, I felt like a young, like their son and daughter. It was crazy. It was so much older. So I felt like the youngest kid in the room. And then I went down to Orlando, flew in, and then we went to a frat party. And then I felt like the oldest kid in the room. <laughs> and this is all like, it was just such a weird mind, just a mind meld or whatever like it just it really messed with me but I'll, I'll never forget that moment I was like man all in this it wasn't even a 24 hour it was like a 12 hour period but yeah it's my career's been awesome I mean knock on wood everything's been great and it led me to comics where I don't know uh, a good friend of mine who one of the stories my final song story oh. is about he uh he was um just talking to me about how uh like comics can be like I did the things the correct way hmm. meaning where I started with with doing things in finance and uh what he did is like hey um read this book is by Malcolm Gladwell have you heard of Malcolm Gladwell yes. I don't remember the name of the book I need to look at it because I tell the, the story a lot the one too. with the 10,000 hour that's exactly yeah. he told me that he's yeah. about if you're spend 10,000 hours at something that you're technically an expert yeah. and it just I had an aha moment where I was like you know what like I think I've read 10,000 comic books Got it. Or spent 10,000 hours, hours reading comic, reading books. comic yeah. books and being in it because I always mm-hmm. collected no matter what through college, even when I couldn't, you know, I'd still buy a few, even though when I financially wasn't 
right to buy a go, few. Going on free, exactly. free comic book day. Yes. Oh, no, this even predates free oh, comic true. book day. Oh, that's true, yeah. So um, anyways, I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try my, my hand at writing a book. Mm. So what I did was, uh, but I wanted to do it properly. Mm. So I took some a whole bunch of online uh, courses on how to write, and I just started becoming like a sponge. Yeah. Uh, people in the industry, like they're, they're like Brian Michael Bendis, oh, Alan Moore. Yep. They have books on how to write comics. And you, you mentioned one that you often that you've. Written. I often do where I literally wore out the spine. No, uh, there was one that yeah, uh, yeah. How to write comic books? Yes, intro to comic, intro writing, comic writing, which is actually turns out I didn't know until way after the fact. It's a uh, textbook for yeah. SCAD. Savannah School of Art and Design. Oh, got, they're amazing. I, whenever I go to Mega, I mm-hmm. try to get, you know, the get out, the, yes. the art books for that year. And I try to always get one because it's free and it's thick and the art's so wonderful. Oh, they're so good. It's such a great school and it's grown so much. I was just in Savannah, like I said, and it's it's just it's such an incredible university. And uh, But it's by Mark Neese, K-N-E-E-C-E. For those of you out there, it's like 20 bucks on Amazon. And it just really tells you how to write a, a comic. And uh, Michael Legacy, he's my first letterer in a comic. He also acted as my first editor. I kind of stumbled into that. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how important editors were until Michael. And uh, shout out to him. He really, and I can't read, and maybe after you hear this, you won't be able to read a comic the same way too. But most comics are three-act plays. Yeah. There's three climaxes. The first six pages are act one. And then the meat of the story is what, the next 12? Mm-hmm. And then... The last three to eight pages, depending how long it is, is mini, the final act, mini, and it's either out. like a cliffhanger because you want them to buy the next issue, or it's a you know resolution. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that middle act, which is the meat of the story, you can do little side stories like A, B, and C. But um, his teachings and that book by Mark Neese, like Solar Flare number Solar Flare was the first book that I wrote. Yeah, and uh, I I'm not even kidding you. The first issue probably took me two months worth of time in to actually write that i just had sporadic thoughts you know i brainstormed by writing all this stuff and try to organize organize it in some kind of storytelling philosophy right and michael and the comics experience is the website that i went to and it's an amazing platform by andy phillips he's a former editor at marvel and dc and a writer himself and he teaches a lot of comic writing courses and it was amazing and they taught me how to actually write a book. And I struggled at first with it, but you write the ending first. The climaxes come first, and then you fill in the gaps. So now, in theory, what took me literally two months worth of time to do issue one, mm-hmm. I can now write a a comic in six to eight hours. Oh, wow. But not continue. Yeah. You know, you have no, to take breaks yeah, when course. you're doing everything else, running a business, have a family, you know. So it's funny because that's my, my question was uh, after this was um, as a writer who is self described as a complete lack of artistic ability, Mm -hmm. um, do you find yourself with more ideas for stories than you can actually create? Oh, for sure. Because the output is is the bottleneck. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you deal with that? Like, you've got worlds and characters I write stuff stuff down. Yeah? I just write... It's been a while since I've done it. I actually got the idea from... uh, from Elf. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but Peter Dinklage's character, yeah, he had yeah, like yeah. a special little book with ideas and they stole it. <laughs> yeah. So I got that idea and I actually have my own little book of ideas that'll hmm. just come to you. And a lot of times we drive, like I drive a lot, um, not as much as I used to. And why I drive a lot, kind of circling back to the whole Edward Jones thing, I moved back to Florida and I kept a lot of my clientele in the Carolinas. So I'd go up, still do, five to six times a year and I typically drive. So, you know, save money, you can have your own vehicle. So a lot of times I just I think of the stories, you know, mm. while I'm driving. I write so. a lot of D and D campaigns while I'm 
on, while you're driving. The, yeah, because there's nothing you else. Can, you can just do. talk to yourself yeah. and narrate it. Yeah, and that's uh. where a different genre genre of music. I I it didn't work well when I was like listening to words with songs. Yeah, so ambient like techno. Mm. Like great background, uh, jazz. Sure, there's another really good background. <laughs> so while coming up with that stuff, but yeah, I have all types of. I've always been a storyteller and a class clown, so it's kind of fitting, you know, to to add that stuff in. Um, so uh, one of my one of my friends, uh, Robert Wilson the mm-hmm. Fourth, um, he is the one of the co-creators of Heartthrob from okay. at Oni. Image. Uh, Oni. Mm. Um, and uh, and he also did the art for uh, Barbaric, the Harvest Blade at Vault. Nice. Um, he, I asked him, mm-hmm. <laughs> what question uh, that he as a like as a creator would be interested in hearing uh, be asked, and he wanted to know. Um, so he's mostly an illustrator. Okay. And he wanted to know as a, because it's collaborative, right? There are there are people like Mike Mignola who just do the whole thing, but like a lot of times it's collaborative. As a writer who doesn't draw, mm-hmm. um, how do you how do you uh, navigate the first of all how do you feel about the collaborative process because like you're working with someone who's doing a thing that you can't do and you're doing a thing that they can't do mm-hmm. necessarily um and then second what's it like to navigate having somebody try to like try to work their hands to draw a thing that you probably already see in your head so the first question yeah. is my background is sports again i played baseball high level throughout my life mm-hmm and I learned, you know, I was on teams that had some of the most talented people, but they didn't work together as a team, and we ended up not winning. And then I had teams that weren't as talented, but they worked together. So I, I took the same in my a lot of aspects of my life, that team approach, right? And with Solar Flare, as an example, is this is just wild. And again, some of the, there's some awful things on the internet, but there's some amazing things too. And part of it is with technology, Branko, who's the artist, he is from Serbia. The original color is Song. He's from China. The letter, Michael, and the editor, he's from Vancouver, Canada. And we all came together as a team to do it. So really, it's the team approach. And it's just finding people. I mean, I've heard horror stories, you know, where writers have... In comics, too, a lot of times writers are also project managers. Hmm. So writers don't typically typically get... They, they come up with the ideas and they pay out page rates or do some kind of, like, royalty split rights you know, sharing things with artists, but usually all the other members of the team get paid. So you have a pencil, a penciler and an inker, but usually now they're one in the same because of sure. digital art. Yeah. Then you have a colorist, then you have a letterer who does the word balloons, then you have an editor and they kind of all come together and they do it. And then usually a publisher, they'll self-publish themselves. That's kind of how it works. So there's been horror stories where certain people don't act as teams. You know, they might be an elite artist, but they can't hit deadlines or they make promises they can't do and vice versa. It goes across the board. So really, it's just being a project manager. And I I really was blessed. All my comics, really, where it's been great team. You know, it's just respecting one another. And to answer your second question about what is it like where you have an idea where it was kind of a natural transition to we're not just scout comics, we're scout comics and entertainment. Mm -hmm. So it just so happens that writing a screenplay and writing a comic is very, very similar. So as a writer, you're almost like a director. So you do a page and you write the panel. So you have this imagination in your head. Okay, this is what I want to happen. And then you, you give those notes, the script to the, to the artist. And then they, deter, you know, they determine that. And I just remember, and all of my artists, really, we've been on that same page. It's the most gratifying, rewarding thing, I think, creatively, when you have an idea and you have it in the head and then the, they send it back to you and it's, it's like they were inside your head. 
Cool. So it's such a cool, amazing sensation. It's really all about how your notes that you write to them. And the other thing I learned too is a lot of pros and Hollywood screenwriters, it's in comics you want to show, not tell. Yeah. So like, for example, you could be like, uh, the panel could be someone pointing at a tree. I was like, hey, look at that tree over there. You don't want to put that. <laughs> you just want, look, you know? Yeah. And that's how I approach my writing too, is like every time I self-edit before I give it to the editors, and I always want to say as much as possible with as little as possible because I don't want to take away from the artist's beautiful work. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I so yeah. Um. Do you, uh, do you know Mike Krahulik and Jerry Hawkins they do Penny Arcade. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So they have a running gag, right? Because Jerry is a writer, 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 and Mike is an artist, 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 mm -hmm. and he jokes that like, um, like I draw these amazing like panels, mm -hmm. and then you ruin them. By making by writing paragraphs, yes. like I have to cover them, um, and he goes, "Yeah, but, but like they're the words." Like, and he goes, "Yeah, but a picture's worth a thousand words." Oh, that's the <laughs> so, mic drop moment, right? Yeah. So, but um, you know, they, I mean, to they are a partnership of like forty to forty years now, but of twenty plus years now. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's it's mostly an inside joke, but I love the the kind of tension there between I have these pictures that we want to show people, but you have to cover them with text yep. <laughs> like you have to it's a comic like yep. you have to tell me things not that much things can i ask a question sure yeah. <laughs> um when you get the art back for the first time is there just one cut at it or is there multiple variations that you look between so it, it, there's a couple different formats that you can do and usually at the beginning stage um you know when you're you're first partnering with an artist they send what they call thumbnails they're rough sketches because they don't want to you know yeah do all this work and then have you switch it. Sure, yeah, they don't want to... Almost, like a, almost like a storyboard exactly. process, yeah. Okay, but what's cool. really nice is when you start getting that flow, you know, and a lot of them, I've been blessed, a lot of them, it's right off. It's very, yeah, very you, you rare. mind meld again. Exactly. Okay, we're going to take just like a little break here, James. Uh, just got to pay some bills, do some business. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. I think it's time to get to your second song. Okay. So what do you want to do with this one? Do you want to listen or do you want to talk? Let's. I'll talk about it. Sure. So I thought... You know, when you guys first said it, which three songs? So kind of my format was like a sad, you know, song at the beginning. And even though it's not a sad, which was the U2 with, mm -hmm. with the next one is kind of more of a romantic. And okay. then the last one is going to be more done funny. this like a writer. I did. I did. So I, I, I built this arc. So this particular song um, or this really this group in general, it's not a very uh, popular artist. They're amazing. It's a different genre. I would say they're more like indie pop. Mm -hmm. uh, they're called The Naked and the Famous. And it is a couple things. Uh, first, it was the last physical CD that I purchased. Hi. So it was right when you know streaming became a big deal where I started buying stuff on Apple Music. I've been an Apple you know, loyalist for many, many years. Ever since they put YouTube on a phone. Yeah, YouTube, yeah, yeah, YouTube exactly. on a phone. Oh, it was even prior to that. It was just like, it was like that was their <laughs> yeah. thank you to me. Oh, there you go. I, that's what I yeah. think. So, uh, yeah, it was the very last album. And I remember listening it to the first time. And it was the first album that I had my first kiss with my wife oh. so and it played over and over again and uh what was really cool about it too they had a couple singles on the song but the song is called uh, heart like yours i believe is the one mm -hmm. that we picked mm -hmm. and uh, heart, uh heart like ours heart like ours yeah. yes and uh what was weird is that it wasn't one of the singles and i'm a diehard baseball fan and, and about this time was right when the mlb network launched okay so to me it was like oh my gosh 24 hours baseball count me in <laughs> And they had it. It was just getting ready. You know, the excitement. I'm a diehard Oakland A's fan. If people know me, they know. And they're, it's a sad story. 
you know, Google it. All Oakland A's fans yes. are hardcore, hard, die yes. hard Oakland A's So, um, you know, you, you always get you that hope at the beginning of spring training, right? <laughs> and they had this, uh, they had this montage, like two minute montage about their like 30 teams, 30 days. Mm. And they couldn't wait for the A's one. And they're playing that song. And I'm like, wow, this is even one of their hits. So my wife's name is Linda Spiel, and she's um, uh, a vet at Animal Oasis uh, Clinic over there in off of Mockley in Naples. And uh, yeah, I uh, coincidentally, right when we met, we met on online. And this was a, a time when I, um, I I wasn't big in online like at all. Like my friends who used online dating it, I, I, they didn't use it the way I would use it. That's probably the, the PC of, uh, <laughs> way of that. saying it. Yeah. And I just love the spontaneity of meeting somebody, you know, out out in the wild, I guess mm -hmm, is the mm -hmm. way to say it. So again, my buddy Brad was like, hey, listen, you know, you should really, because, you know, I had some relationships that weren't exactly the greatest prior to that. And he's like, listen, man, this is a great screening tool, whatever. So him and his girlfriend at the time, and uh, God, full circle these stories, because the girlfriend that he met was actually from my last song. So we'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. Um, but anyways, uh, they set up a, a profile on Match. For without, you. Yeah, without, without even telling knowing. you. Because I was just like, no, nah, man, I want to do it the old-fashioned way. So I took it seriously. First they did it, and they're like, man, you know, I read it over, and I was kind of like buying into this whole online dating thing. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it clever. I'm going to I'm gonna use my personality on it. Because they just put like just basic stuff. And I just saw it. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. It's like a screening tool, right? And uh, so I did it. I just my, my wife just reminded me the other day about it. Like I did something funny where I was like, hey, listen, I want if you're reading the profile, I want everyone to do this little exercise. It's like I want you to to read the next part in an English accent. That's what, anything like me, your English accent will probably turn pirate halfway through. So it, she bought into it. You sure. know, she like liked the thing. Yeah. And I remember looking at her profile and it was just hysterical. And I she's telling me after the fact that, you know, she had a lot of like creepers on there and stuff. But what caught her eye was like my humor, uh, not just from my profile, but what I wrote to her. So she's talking about her, her big thing to this day is still to travel. She grew up in Belgium and her family moved here. Well, I say grew up, but she was born in Belgium. Her family moved here to Sarasota when she was five or four and has been here ever since. And uh, she loves to travel. So one of, the, one of the things she's like, I've been to all these amazing places. She's like Paris, San Francisco, New York, London, uh, Ghent. Uh, Cleveland and I just remember like focusing on Cleveland like what Cleveland. is out of <laughs> and I apologize to all you Cleveland fans out there but I just didn't like what's not the same and I was like hey Cleveland's on my bucket list too <laughs> and it just it, it got her we went to a uh, like I started really really slow like really really slow because again my friends used it for different methods yeah so I wanted to show that I was like more serious about it. So we went on like six or seven dates before I made my first move. So uh, to a point where she tells me to this day, she's like, I, I didn't know if you were even interested because, you know, you did. And I felt like a, a little like a middle schooler. Sure. And then that song, this song that you guys are about to hear is what played. And I guess it gave me the strength. I think it's like if you listen to the whole album. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's like song six. Mm hmm. So it took six me songs in. It's six songs in, man. I was just like, it was 
I didn't make my move. I was very yeah, very but you shy. said it played during little... every song, like song three, like okay, as soon as this, this is the one, yeah, song. yeah, exactly. I was just like, okay, I'm gonna do it now. I'm gonna do it now. And there was and then, just like, something about the, the beat. song. You're like, oh, I gotta yep. wait till the next song now. Yep, yep. And <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna say something's probably really embarrassing. It might have played all the way through. That's a heck of a kiss. And then gone back. No, no, no. It wasn't before I made oh. the kiss. <laughs> before I made the move. Right. So, but we'll go with your story because sure. that sounds a lot better for me. I think. Revisionism. Yes. All right. All right. Well, let's hear it. Um, so this is uh, song two um, for uh, James ha- uh, James Hake, Like Cake. Boom. Uh, this is Heart Like Ours by The Naked and Famous from their 2013 album, In Rolling Waves. It's song number two here on Three Song Stories. This is Biography Through Music. That is a That is a good first kiss song i can yeah. see it in my head it's a that's very cinematic james it was very and i'm pretty sure i waited for the whole album to play okay to come back so yeah after hearing it again absolutely um <laughs> do you and your wife's musical tastes align they do yeah uh, they do. where do they miss it like where where does she most listen to something that you're like i don't really understand that thing um hmm i would say and i don't want to like i love the marley brothers but Damian Marley, mm-hmm. I, I think he has more of like almost like a rap, okay, reggae stuff that I'm not as into as she is. Sure, that's and otherwise we're and pretty on top. I was going to oh, say, oh, she doesn't like you too. That's a pretty big misalignment for you guys. It's pretty okay, big. Okay, and then what is the thing that you guys are most like 100 percent impact? Like you, ride or die. This is a band we would travel across America to see them. Uh, the Lumineers. Yeah. And Black Keys. Those are, but the Lumineers is definitely, definitely. We we've been traveling to see them and. It, and most people know Hey Yo or Hey Ho, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like they are so, so good. And to see them live is even more incredible. So, yeah. Uh, what is the furthest you have traveled to see a band live? Uh, you too. What's, how far did you go? <laughs> we went to uh, San Jose. <laughs> That's far. Yeah, it was their very first concert, uh, opening up tour. We Her best friend lived out in San Francisco too. Mm-hmm. So we went to go see the A's. It was like an amazing trip. We went to go see the <laughs> That's A's. a big trip for you guys. Yeah, I saw a couple games and then... Uh, saw a couple Giants games. Her best friend lives out there at the time. I believe worked for Apple, and uh, we saw the U two San Jose. They opened up their tour. I think it was the Vertigo tour. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I didn't know she didn't like U two until now. <laughs> <laughs> and so thank you, Lean. I know you're listening. Thank you for uh, going to we that did, concert we did that? with me. Yeah, Aww. I didn't realize you didn't like them as much as I. Going to a concert that you don't like mm-hmm. is an act of love. <laughs> it is, but maybe she did. Didn't not like them then, until, and then I, maybe you. yeah, maybe, maybe you. I yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, another one too is I'm a very big fan of Jack Johnson. Uh huh. And she's not a fan of Jack Johnson. The so. only Jack Johnson I have in my life is that one song that he did for Curious George back when. Oh, it's such a good song. Yeah. <laughs> Upside down. I think. Upside down. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Uh. What about your daughter? Mm-hmm. Um. Musical tastes. Yes. No. Oh, it's awesome. We are right on a line. It's fantastic. She's really into like um. Really grunge. She's in high school. Big MXPX fan. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. And she's um. It's so funny. Uh. Well, I mean, we're on a line, but she's more in line when I was her age. Got it. Like she got really into typo negative. Ooh. Okay. So like patterns. Crazy. Like patterns. Time yes. loops. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it's awesome too. Just uh, like I take her to school pretty much every morning, mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, we just like I, I get to introduce her. To That's what I was going to ask. Oh, it's like, so much you're fun getting to put these in, in yeah, front of her, like helmet. You know, the, <laughs> helmet. I just introduced her to helmet. I told her how uh, how we first how I first I saw them here, mm-hmm. and this is when we weren't getting a lot. We were a much smaller city, right? We weren't getting a lot of touring acts. Remember pyramids? 
over there on on US forty one. Yeah, they had an all you can drink thing. Yeah, that caused me some problems. Oh, well, that was pre where I could drink. <laughs> So believe me, I probably wanted to experience those problems back then with you. It was like f- five bucks all you can drink oh, early, Sheba. like early before the show. It was bad. So I remember wow. going to see them. We used to go there for the show and then leave before the show. Because you couldn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pyramids. They would get some pretty big touring acts at the time. Oh, yeah. yeah it was. Uh, Helmet's pretty big for, you know, to come through. They were like the headliner. Right. I want to say the headliner was... um. I want to say it was Marilyn Manson before Marilyn Manson got huge. Sure. So I told her the story about it before I played the music for for mm-hmm. Helmet, mm-hmm. where I was standing next to the guys because they were my sister and I would joke around it all the time. You would never know because they just look like normal dudes. They would wear like your cargo, the style that was in the cargo jeans uh, yep. with, the, with the the chain wallet, yep. and like white shirts or yeah. red plain really big shirts. ones too. And I just remember we were standing next to them, like through the whole first set. And then all of a sudden, they just get up on stage and they're like, hey, we're Helmet. And they just start rocking. <laughs> so I tell my, my daughter the story the other morning about it. And then I play it. And then it, you know it's gratifying when she pulls out her phone and she starts saving the songs yeah. on, Spotify, on Spotify. I'm like, yes. yes. Uh, has she introduced music to you? She has. What Do you remember recently? Um, she was into a lot of the rap, the newer rap. Uh-huh. Like Steve Lacey, and, uh, which I grabbed some songs from. Um, and then a couple of some offshoot punk bands. I don't even remember the name. They're just on my playlist. Now. All right. Yeah. So yeah, she's it's it's kind of going back and forth, which is awesome. Right. Um, how do you nowadays like usually listen to music? Like, uh, Spotify. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, like phone. On right? my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Phone. And we do a lot of like live auctions on this site called Whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we just, we're, we're sitting in the room where you yeah do we're your sitting in our from. studio yeah. exactly yeah. and. Um, we just learned OBS. For those people who don't know, OBS is what is it? Outside broadcast studio. It's the streamer software. Open, yeah. yeah. It's like this open s- studio software, and so we can get real creative with our platform mm-hmm. for for the thing. And you can actually, instead of having like a separate Amazon speaker or Alexa speaker. Sorry, everybody, if I turn your. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> oh, I really want to play a joke right now, but I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, my dad, I do it to my dad all the time, but. Um, Alexa, pause. Yeah. No, I put Alexa, play, uh, ring around a Rosie. We would do all kinds of children's <laughs> stuff, and we do it before we left. Because I worked with my dad before he oh, retired. Oh, I get it. Yeah, on the way out. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Um, but anyways, where I was going with this is that we play uh, music in the background of our shows. And doing this OBS, it's really clear instead of doing oh, it on there. Oh, I got so, you. Yeah, I got you. Listen yeah. to music. You can punch it right through. Yeah. It's okay, great. cool. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. I think, I think let's. Get to your third song before we hit the speed round stuff. Okay. I've got some other questions, but let's do the third song. All right. So the third song, like I said earlier, is kind of more of my humor song. So um, yeah, it's such a great memory. So uh, should I tell the song first? We're going to uh, play it afterwards. It's totally up to All you, All right. Man. So the song is a wham song uh-huh. uh, called I'm Your Man. It's, you got you to gotta use the exclamation mark. Wham. 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 Yes. <laughs> So, uh, for those of you who are local, you might remember uh, the the bar restaurant called Bar Louie. Yes. It was based in Chicago. They had one in Gulf Coast T- Town Center right when Gulf T- Coast Town Center first opened up. So, uh, like I said earlier, I played baseball, moved into softball, and a lot of my friends I met through softball. And uh, we were sponsored by Bar Louie. And it was a men's team that we played at Lee County Sports Complex. And part of... Uh, I guess the deal when you get sponsored by a restaurant or something is you would they want you to take the team to go there and drink and eat 
to help, you know, support the, the bar or restaurant. So we would do that. It was every Tuesday night. And it just so happened at the time, it was Dollar Burger Night and Karaoke Night. I want you to read above where it says Time for Song 3 here. Yeah. <laughs> Karaoke? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we would go there all the time. And um, everyone like on the team, so many people are really shy about being in public or singing and stuff. And my, myself and my friend Brad, we just, we just don't have any shame. So we would go <laughs> and prime do, karaoke. People. Yeah, but we don't want to do karaoke to just do karaoke. We are creative and silly. So we wanted to have skits. So we've done all kinds of funny skits that would go along with it. Mm-hmm. And this wham one was personally my favorite one. Like I'll, I'll tell uh, before I get into this one, I'll tell you one of the funniest ones just so we do. Well, maybe should I wait the one story I wanted to say that I we ended up. Th- those are the questions where the songs that didn't make it. So I'll hold off. Yeah, on we'll that do that one. after. Yeah. All right, so this one particular song, what we decided to do, and we had the DJ to be in on it. So uh, we had the regulars that would always go to the bar, and it was my friend Josh, and he was dating this girl Jocelyn at the time, and Jocelyn was a uh, was like a little sister to Brad and I. Mm-hmm. So we came up with this whole elaborate skit where it's like, okay, Brad, you're gonna be you're dating Jocelyn, right? And I'm not, and I'm best friends with both of you, and I'm going to do a song, and we're going to pick this song. So we clued in the DJ at the time. So I get up on stage, and, I mean, it's packed. This bar is completely packed. So I get up, and I was like, hi, you know, my name is James, and I want to dedicate this song uh, to someone who I've known for a long time. I mean, we've been friends for, like, what seems like forever. I was like, hell, you're even dating my best friend Brad. And uh, I've been... (sighs) really trying to say something, you know, tell you something for a long time. And I just haven't had the nerve to do it. And I've had a couple drinks in and just, if you would pay close attention to the lyrics of the song. So let's go ahead and play it now. Yeah, so everybody sure. can hear the lyrics yeah. and then I'll, I'll come and finish the story right after. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So what was that about James? So... <laughs> That leads to the to, to what what actually happened. So, when you again when you heard those words from "I'm your man," like Brad, yeah, he had this whole thing where he got up suddenly and he made like this loud noise with his chair, and then he told me ahead of time that, that he was going to do this. Yeah, and he kind of yells at Jocelyn. Yeah, and he's like, "What? What's going on between the two of you?" Right? Yeah. Then he walks up to the stage. Now, by the way, like I'm luckily. We had done enough karaoke there. They have these large spotlights that shine at you. Mm-hmm. And I got to try my best not to laugh, right? Because he's really playing it, and it's amazing. So I'm staring directly in the light. Like, I'm blinded by the light. Sure. Like, particularly blinded. He gets to the point where he's all the way up to the stage staring at me. And I can feel it. And I'm not laughing. I'm pretending like he's not there. I can kind of see behind me. And where it was behind me, I see the DJ. And then you can see the kitchen. Right. And I hear certain things over the song, like gasps, like people thought we were going to fight. Mm. Chefs came out of the kitchen, like full gear, like, oh, my gosh. And like we heard this big thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, scratch. And then he stand, he steps up on stage and he looks at me. People thought we would fight. And then we go into that Rick Astley. We <laughs> yeah. at the time I might be dating myself. Rick-rolled we Rickrolled the them. whole place. So then we start singing a duet, and the people who are hysterical, like people came up to us afterwards, like giving us high fives. And like, you, have, we thought we were gonna have to fight. You know, I like my girlfriend wanted to call nine one one. Like it was just pretty. Uh, it was pretty fun, <laughs> and we so did good. this. 
That was the third iteration of us doing that, by the way. We would separate it because, you know, we were sponsored by two, two years with, with Bar Louie. <laughs> so the other song we would do, and it almost made the cut. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll, 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 we'll get there. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, in, we did this three different times. That one to me was by far the best. I I have to grieve at not even having heard the others. Yes. So, okay. So, but let's hear it for real this time. This is James uh, Hake's third and final song on today's Three Song Stories. It's I'm Your Man by Wham! Wham! <laughs> from the 1986 album, The Final. James, uh, you found a way kind of to get a fourth song into the show. It's I did. Been, it's been almost six years and no one has ever gotten <laughs> us to do a fourth song, but I think that kind of counts. Um as we go into the speed round, right. uh, we often ask, what's a fourth song story that didn't quite make the cut, but like the stories we're talking about? And you mentioned that this is kind of in the arena of that. Yes, it's yeah. definitely in the same karaoke, silly arena. Yeah. So, and I just, it felt wrong to play this particular song on NPR. Okay. <laughs> so uh, what it was, again, my buddy Brad, we had skits. Mm-hmm. So this one was a, a simple one. And uh, like I said earlier, this was actually how uh, he broke the ice with a girl that he dated for like 15 years. It was, happened to be on wow. this night. Okay. So what we did is we both got up there. I mean, there was no Rickroll here. We just got up on stage and we're like, hey, we pretended to be brothers. <laughs> and we're like, hey, um, you know, we want to dedicate this next song to our grandma. Uh, Mimi meant a loss to us. <laughs> and... Um, she just passed away recently, and you hear the sigh. Yeah. It's like she used to sing this to us um, you know, almost every night when we were younger. And again, this one goes out to you. So we have, I just remember looking out into the stage, not into the light this time. <laughs> and uh, they're just like, oh, that's so how sweet. And it was uh, Spice Girls. Tell you what I want, <laughs> what you really want. <laughs> if you, uh, and it just had people yeah. hysterical. And then he ended up going and talking to uh to the lovely lady and uh yeah dated her for 15 years (laughs) so Uh, if he was on the show possibly that could be one of his songs uh i'm making a note hey richard this is for future richard this is going to be cut for time but i want to tell it right now because i'm gonna forget later Mm -hmm. do you know scott kurtz he did uh pvp comics it was like a web comic Um, oh yeah uh wow yeah i know yeah it's been a while um he used to uh he i heard him tell once on a podcast um this great little bit and it stuck with me Mm -hmm. um uh drama is so easy to write Mm -hmm. and comedy is so hard to write he's like you can you can walk in to any party and you can go guys i'm sorry i'm so sorry i'm late i was um i was on the way here and um i hit an animal mm. and i try you know it's dark and i just i i was probably going too fast and i i hit my brakes but i just couldn't get there in time and um it just kind of shook me up and you know everybody will be like oh my gosh yeah are you okay and you and then you that poor cow <laughs> 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 and and like that's the hard part of that story, or like it's a hard part to figure out. The you can say any sad thing, and people will immediately connect. But like finding an actual bit of humor is difficult. Um, so anyway, okay, hey Richard, this is where we're going back. Um, all right, on to speed round stuff. All right, if you were a pro wrestler, oh. what would your walk on music be? Oh my gosh, what a good question. So did did you do research to know that I like pro wrestling? Well, we ask that to everybody. Oh, do you really? But yes, I do know that. Yes. So since you asked me that, before you answer, can I get a woo? Woo! You know I wrote a comic book. I know you Rick wrote a Flair. comic book with Ric Flair. Yes, so you can't cool. pick 2001 Space Odyssey. No, it's actually a um, good shout out to a buddy of mine, one of my best friends. I played ball with him in uh, college, Tom mm-hmm. Wheaton. Yeah. 
who's a huge, huge, huge wrestling fan, and that's we played baseball and used to watch Monday Night Raw and Monday Night Nitro every <laughs> Monday night in college, was, yeah. baby. And uh, his brother, who's younger at the time, mm-hmm. and I'm very, I'm there's three brothers named the Wheaton brothers. And I'm the fourth Wheaton brother, the Got honorary yeah, fourth brother. Yeah, we always still yeah. to this day, like we're going to the Royal Rumble in Tampa in, oh. in January. We have gone to WrestleManias. Again, it's just like this, again, nostalgic thing. We actually did a video where we pretended to be wrestlers. And at the time there was- Everybody a, did yeah, that in yeah, the yeah, uh, when you were the age that we are. Yeah, I think they did. And mine was um, uh, just a complete ripoff of uh, Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was Moneybags Jim. Mm-hmm. And my finishing move was the phantom kick. Meaning I'd, I'd, you, you would nothing. find out if I'd win. Yeah, i kick nothing. That means I paid him off. Yeah. So the song is Money by KMFDM. Okay. I know so KMFDM. if you ever listen, it's, yep. it's like you listen to that song, you're like, yes, that is That's good a, walk on. That's it's aggressive. Great. Yes, yeah. very aggressive. So Money Bags Jim was my character. Money Bags Jim, which is our next question is mm-hmm. what would your name be? So that's spectacular. <laughs> uh, okay. So I do want to ask about the Ric Flair comic. So yep. uh, my big question on it is honestly, what's it like writing a story for a, with a main character who is a person that exists like this isn't you know it's not a whole cloth character it's it's oh it's, it's, a real it's guy. absolutely like, a blast i mean if i would have told my younger self that i would be, you know i have rick flair's cell phone like we we text with each other it's just insane but no it was great i mean if you listen to rick and have heard like he was traveling the world when no one else was he was the champion and back in the 80s the NWA, National Wrestling Alliance, uh-huh. Uh-huh. they would have a champion and they had what they call territories. So the territories would have their own champion and then they'd have one world champion who would literally travel all around and defend that title mm-hmm. in each one of those territories. And the stories that Rick has are just incredible. You don't know what's fact or fiction. So, oh, you! I saw yes. an interview where you said you compared it to Big Fish, the, yeah, the movie. Yeah, you don't know what's real or what's oh not. And uh, we've taken real yeah. stories with it and... We, it's a series of what they call in comics one shots. Yeah, at different times in in Rick's life, and uh, where he was actually a secret agent. Yeah. So his wrestling persona. So by by day he was wrestling's greatest heel or bad guy, yeah. but by night he was actually helping us save the world. Yeah. Uh, what you you described it as um, Archer. Yes. Meets Big Fish. Yeah. And that has my name you got my number dude like that's big fish what yeah. a great movie that's oh, so good um yeah. i just had that conversation with my daughter she hasn't seen it yet well, we're about to watch it oh, my family yeah did. i gotta um, get her the, this weekend um uh do you see um other kinds of opportunities for writing like fictional takes or semi-fictional takes on existing real people particularly like your heroes yeah. Like, is there other stuff that you would want to work on or could work on or would just dream about working on with people? Yeah. I, I love, I, I'm really into documentary stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, just watching it on all the different streamers mm-hmm. and everything. I like, I love it. One thing that I'm going to actively work on, I might as well say it here. Have you heard sure. of the Savannah Bananas? Savannah Bananas. Yeah, you haven't? This uh, is new. You need to Google it, my friend. Okay. It's amazing. So Harlem Globetrotters is okay. to basketball what yeah. Savannah Bananas is to baseball. Got it. Jesse Cole, um, he's okay. the man who dress ups in the yellow tuxedo. Okay. Savannah, SCAD, yeah. Connection. Yeah. And um, just clever marketing. He uses a lot of professional wrestling, comic books, et cetera. And he's created these new rules for baseball. And it's taken the country by storm. <laughs> there was a um, 
It's called Banana Land. It was an ESPN documentary on it. I watched it. My uncle lives in Savannah. I've really got into it. I've gone to multiple events. People who hate baseball love it. It's all about entertaining. For those of you who have not heard of the Savannah Bananas, do yourself a favor and Google it. So you want to do a comic, the Savannah Bananas? I do. Okay, I do want to do it. And my idea is to do it with SCAD because, again, arts and designs. Yeah, they're in Savannah. Savannah. Yeah. Yeah. And one of our our awesome creators actually works here at HQ, Colin McHugh. And he is a graduate of SCAD. So okay. that's my goal is to do something realistic, at least currently. I can I, do can I bring a little Savannah Bananas into the mix here? Please. Sure. It's like. Hitter for the Bananas goes down into a full split. Vincent the batter Chapman is in a full split. Now doing a somersault oh, forward. He's off for the Running races. down to first base. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yep. They have all these set of called banana rules. I got it. Yeah. And there's like 10 of them. And there's a guy who's on stilts who pitches. <laughs> Yeah, it they, is like the Harlem Globetrotters Trot- playing baseball. baseball. I, I thought that was apt, yeah. It, it's did a double play, but all nine players in the outfield in the were a part of the play. Yeah, so they don't have walks in Savannah ball, or a banana ball. What it is is if you get ball four, the runner can keep on running, and every player, all nine players on the field, have to touch the ball. So it's like it's always active. You win innings, for example. <laughs> so instead of like you know, oh, if you have like so eleven good. nothing, it's, it's like, just one. Yes. It's, that's a point. Oh, yeah. I can't. And there's a two-hour time like, limit. I sh- and okay. one of my favorite rules is if it's a foul ball and someone in the stands catches it, it's an out. Nice. Okay, listen. I know that you're a big baseball fan, so mm-hmm. and baseball people take you know baseball very seriously. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell you that those two first rules you said, like winning innings, and um. Uh, and a two-hour time limit would probably bring me back to baseball. And then you see this entertainment stuff that yeah. they do in between innings. Like, okay. he comes up, they sing Jeez. Neil Diamond songs. Of course. You know, they yellow, bananas are yellow. They do this whole thing with Coldplay, this song yellow in the back. Oh, it's, just, it's incredible. But I'll leave one thing. I think this is sure. what got my love for it, because he has my type of humor, Jesse okay. does, is when they first, their first co- uh, uniform, they were green, not yellow. And someone asked them, it's like, why are you guys green? They're like, well, we're not right. We're not right. I, I, like, I, oh, I saw it coming. Yeah, joke phenomenon. Bravo, sir. Yeah. Bravo. Um, what the, the, the move would be to slowly make them more I yellow believe and, that's what they did. And then I'm brown. Not sure. yes. They should turn brown. Oh, that, that things go bad. But they have their own, like, um, I can't remember. Is it the Generals, who's the, the Globetrotters, like, yeah. foil? It's there. Yeah, yeah. Theirs is the Savannah Party Animals. They okay. storm the outfield. They're like party. They order pizza in the middle of like the- Like Rat the, Boy yes. type? Okay. And just this year, because it's so popular, they travel all around the world. They play in the, like, they're playing in Major League Stadiums next year for their banana tour. Uh, Fenway Park, um, I might go. Fields. I might go see a baseball. Yeah, they start yeah, here yeah. in, um, just like last here, year, West Palm the road? Beach. Yeah. Oh, in West Palm. Okay, yep. cool. And right, we went to that, and uh, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's incredible. But they created another team called the Firefighters. And with my mustache, I actually want to create a team for them and be like the evil manager. Oh, so, the, um, uh, the Paul Bearer yes. for wrestling fans. I was thinking I was going to be like a railroad tycoon. Yeah. And I, I had a whole bunch of people who were in like, like prison stripes, and that was like, you know. The baseball team? Yes. Oh, so good. So have all kinds of them. It's pro wrestling plus it is. baseball. With, it's like, and comics. Like, oh my goodness, I could die, I could die oh, happy. All right. Um, hey, uh, if you could hear any song for the first time again... Uh, what would it be if you could forget it and then hear it again? Hmm, that's a really good question. J- Thanks. Should I say what just pops in my mind first? Uh, it's totally yeah. random. Yeah. The Archie Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, such a fun song. That is, that's that is it. Such a good song. That was the first that popped in. The second one was U two Elevation. 
Sure. Because uh, I remember getting that song for the first time. Again, some of my best memories. Mm. You too, right? But some of the best ones were when I a new album would drop. <sighs> yeah. So, and then once you hear it, you've heard it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And I'm uh, sure everyone experienced that with the Apple virus where they all heard it at the same so, time. <laughs> there were people who had never heard of YouTube. Yes, they're like, what is this on my yeah. phone? Um, do you have a song um, that you avoid listening to because of memories associated with it or feelings associated with it? Hmm. No. Okay. No, that's pretty awesome, right? That's all. That's that's a good sign. I do not know. Um, if you could broadcast any song into the head of every single person in the world simultaneously, what would it be? What would the fox say? Oh, <laughs> I like this answer. That's really good. Didn't they already do that? I think uh, they no, did. no. I was able to go like six or seven years. I I went at least as long. I heard it on purpose one day. I was just like. Let's hear this. First song. time I heard that song, yeah. we're playing. We we started doing again. We were silly people playing softball, right? <laughs> we had walk up songs because why not? Yeah. And I'd never heard the song before. And my buddy Brad played it for the first time when I was up to bat, and I had to take time. I mean, I I I never heard it, and it was hysterical. That would make a good uh, Rick Roll song because the big up the build up is so big. Uh, what does the fox say? Do do just when do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> that song is something else, but yeah, um, I would do that just to see some older individuals and what the reaction would yes, be hearing that. For the I first time. love it. Um, let's see. I gotta be judicious here. Um, uh, what's the most recent band or musician or musical act that has come into your life new, like you discovered, and you want to talk about VHS Collection? That's a cool name for a band. Isn't what, that amazing? What is, is there? What does it sound like? It's like indie pop, mm -hmm. but it's a cross between Depeche Mode and In Excess. Wow. Cover That's to a... cover, they're incredible. And uh, again, gotta get the wow on, on mic. Wow. They're awesome. Uh, last year, uh, 2022, we did San Diego Comic Con, mm -hmm. and uh, which is the two big comic conventions, and comics are New York Comic Con mm -hmm. and San Diego. San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. So we actually had a booth for the first time at San Diego. Very expensive. Um, <laughs> I bet. And it was just like a comedy of errors, that whole convention, like half our staff was down with COVID oh. during the, like just before the convention start. So it was really, really rough and a lot of extra pressure on us that were, were there. And I wanted on a, I believe it was like a Wednesday or a Thursday, which is like, it's a five, four day show. Yeah, it's over the, it's yeah. Thursday, like over. It's Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. Friday. So on Thursday after the first day, and it was just insane. They were playing in San Diego. They were opening a tour, first time they ever played for in like three years since the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I love this band. Like every song that they have, I love. And they've had like two albums. And I was like, oh, I'm so exhausted. I just want to go home. Like, usually when you do those conventions, you're just exhausted. You're traveling, but you're like, I just want to sleep. And my voice hurts from talking so much. And because uh, you're pitching your stuff, right? The whole time. They were like a block away from the hotel I was staying at, at the House of Blues. And I went and it was like a very small, it was like the size of this double room. And it was right there, and they were incredible. So yes, that is a band that I'm like die hard with. We actually reached out. I did a book called The Mall, that's based in uh, Fort Myers. is loosely based on the Edison Mall, where uh, it takes place in the '80s. Mm -hmm. And the thought it's um it's being uh, adapted for an animated show right now. Really cool. Very very cool. And uh, we haven't fully announced that yet, but okay. I guess I just did. Anyway, are you allowed uh, to? I can, I can. I can't say who. Okay. So um, but. <laughs> One of the things we before. reached out to, yeah. we reached out yeah. to, to VHS Collection because it would be really cool if we did modernized 80s music, right? Yeah, their music so, could fit on there. Yeah. Oh, it'd be great. Um, 
Do you want to do you want to real fast? Because I I like the idea of that comic. Can mm-hmm. you do you want to pitch the premise of the comic real fast? What mall? Are, yeah, just for people. Yeah. Who've never so heard of it. so the mall and this stemmed from uh, I got to give props to my dad, where it came from is, uh, again, having a comic book store. It was my dream to have a comic book store in the mall when I was a kid, right? And I remember we looked, and it was way, way, way in the back where where Dillard's are, which wasn't the high-traffic area. And it was something, this is like 1996. It was something like $11,000, $12,000 a month. (laughs) And it was like, oh, my God. Those are 90s dollars. (laughs) And I just remember, I just remember, uh, asked my dad, I was like, like, how does, like, the ceramic mask store survive because i'm a math guy and i started doing math in my head i'm like they got to sell a lot of semantic semantic masks to me and by the way they're in a much better location you know and the one that stuck out with me was fletcher music remember fletcher's music the organ store and they had the prime location was right in front of the food court right yeah and like you would see things like kb store toy store go away and all this other stuff and it was just like fletcher's was like solid Electric so not not organs. saying Fletcher's. I'm not saying that Fletcher. What I'm about to say, I'm not saying Fletcher's was this, but like just take a ceramic mask store as an example. Yeah. I was like, Dad, how do they do business? It doesn't make sense. He's like, Well, Jim, because he used to call me Jim, <laughs> and uh, my sisters call me Jamie. Um, he's like, Well, Jim, uh, it's what we call a front, most likely. I'm like, Well, a front. It's like, oh, where they do like legitimate businesses purposely to lose money. I was like, What? So that's where the idea stem from. So it's the mall. Basically, what it is is that, you know, those stores that you're like, how do they stay in business? Mm-hmm. Well, they're actually f- fronts for criminal organizations. And a low-level Florida mob boss passes away. And it just so happens he had three illegitimate kids who are in high school. You have the jock, the cheerleader, and, like, the music nerd. Mm-hmm. And they find out that they, they inherit these stores. And they can determine whether to continue the family business or to go legit. Um, all being shepherded by their uncle, who's dying of unknown disease and wasn't inherited because he was a gay man living in the 1980s, and he ends up having AIDS that he didn't know, and they form this relationship with this hardcore mob boss. We did six issues. It was fun. Um, I partnered with this uh, gentleman named Don Hanfield, who uh, has worked in Hollywood. He did The Founder, Mm -hmm. multiple different things, and uh, we kind of developed together, and it, it was really fun. Met one of my artists who's a really good friend named Rafael Lorario from Brazil. Him and his girlfriend came over when we released the book. This was 2016, 17? Time goes by so quickly. Sure. And we did like a Florida tour when we did it. And it was like his first time in the U.S. And it was so much fun. He's so talented. He did Ric Flair with me too. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. So, yeah, yeah, it's real fun. A little homage to – and we do a lot of like you see certain things. Like you see the Ariel from the landings. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. the uncle lived there. Yep. Like just little landmarks, you know. Remember the gold mine, the old arcade. Gold mine was right there next to Record Bar. Yep. And I will talk about this afterwards. I worked at Ives Bookshop the last five years it was open. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I was the. I worked at the desk in the middle. That's awesome. Mike was that guy that you could be like, I'm looking for this book, and he'd be like, three rows over there. It's going to be on the bottom down. shelf. Yeah. Like he knew exactly where all nice. the books were. Um. What would your 14 year old self think of you today? I think you think it was a pretty cool guy. If you could go back and give him a little wisdom, <laughs> what would you say? Um, hmm. Ah, that's a again, what a stumped question, right? That's a very good question. What would I say to my fourteen-year-old self? Um, <laughs> kind of reminds me of a funny story, but um, yeah, I I would just tell him to um, be careful of. 
I don't know. I don't really know. That's a, you have me stumped, man. You have me stumped. You're not up. Yeah, not that's up. A, I would do the Back to the Future, the al- the almanac. You're not up. <laughs> Mike says, "Tell him which stocks to buy." <laughs> uh, that would be a good one. So, so when I first, I'll tell the real quick story. When I first got onto Facebook, I, I searched, uh, I searched Facebook mm-hmm. for my name, and there was uh, my name popped up, and it was a younger kid out of like Ohio. So I decided to message him and told him I was from the future. <laughs> <laughs> And he went, he, he went with it, and it was incredible. Oh. Turns out like he's like a third cousin or something like that, which was awesome. That's also cool. Right? Yeah. So, Because Hake's not a really familiar last name. No. If you talk to my dad, it's, if you go up in the Niagara Falls, Buffalo, New York area, it's as common as Smith. I'm, oh, I'm calling wow. BS on that. Dad. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, that was... Uh, I got friends I, from Buffalo. I'll ask about it. I don't know. Just uh, be, really to answer that question is, is probably just to be wary who you trust. Okay. Um, all right, it's time, James Hake, for you to recommend three people uh, to us who you think would make good uh, guests on this show, mm-hmm. um, who you will share the this episode with when it releases. So I'm going to stick with a lot of my colleagues here at Scout. Sure. Because, uh, again, something cool about comics, you have some very unique, unique, amazing individuals. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost is Scout's founder and CEO, mm-hmm. Brendan Deneen. He's out of New York City. Yep. He wrote a children's book. He did uh, of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, like, uh, with Goodnight Gruders. Yep, Goodnight yeah. Baby Groot. Baby Groot. Oh. And he's an accomplished author. Uh, he worked at uh, for a long time. He's in the film industry, and his job. He worked at Macmillan Publishing and tore books. And his main job when he was there was to take prose novels and develop them into TV or film. Mm. So that was one of the reasons why I first got decided to get published by Scout was because of him and now he's one of my best buds. Cool. So he would be and his music taste and mine is amazing and I know he'll have some amazing stories to All tell. Right, so that's one. that's one. Number two is another very good friend of mine. He's our editorial director. And his name is uh we always joke around. Andrea Lorenzo Molinari. You have to say so that Andrea, yeah, we say it like that all the time on our whatnot stuff. Richard and I, that's the third one. I'll get to him in a second. But Andrea just a gem of a human being. One of the sweetest men I've, I've ever met, a helper. Uh, he's a former teacher. He used to actually uh, work for the Catholic d- diocese, diocese, diocese. Yeah. and he would help um, train teachers and stuff. He has his doctorate in literature. He's Ooh. a creator. He has an amazing series that we published called The Shepherd. It's mm-hmm. like Quantum, meet, uh, Quantum Leap meets The Crow meets Doctor Strange. And just a fascinating guy, amazing. And then uh, last but certainly not least is one of my best friends in the world, Richard Rivera. He creates our most, I would say, probably our most popular title called Stabity Bunny. Yeah, I saw that. He's our publisher. Uh, he's just just an incredible human being and one of my best friends, like I said. And I think he would be uh, a great interview because he has some stories to tell as well. All right. Well, uh, we'll we'll make sure that you have the episode when it comes out yep. and you can share it with them and try and get them on here. Do you have any final thoughts for us about this whole thing? No, I think this is fantastic. I, I, t- I was joking around with you before. It's like... Where did you guys come up with this amazing oh, three story? Yeah, like, right. why three stories? And oh, actually, do have a final thought. Yeah. So you have three stories, and when Sam told me about you know the possibility of being on the show, one of my really close friends, his name is Josh Jeffco. He's a local. His family's been in Fort Myers for ages. Um, he's a pickleball instructor, and he has the most hilarious, hilarious icebreaker question that we use to this day. What's your top three movies? So Josh would probably get, be mad if I didn't ask you this. What are no, your guys' top three movies? 
That one's for you, Jeffy. Well, I know I just said earlier today that my top three, and it always will be, is Raising Arizona as one oh, of the that's three. That's good. Um, you know, off the top of my head, um, Rushmore. Oh, amazing. Like, I, I, it, I know it's one I'll just watch over and over and Have over Have you heard again. his band? Uh, it's a little bit. Yeah, crazy. He's good voice. But yeah, uh, Rushmore. And then good pick. you guys do a couple. And let me. Think. Ah, you're thinking about three. So, uh, Kill Bill is one movie. Not, yeah, I agree. Not two. Okay. Um, and I think um probably the Matrix might be a perfect thing. Um, and because it gets an annual viewing and is the best Christmas movie, uh, I think the Muppet Christmas Carol might be actually one nice. of my favorite movies. Yeah. Yeah. My mine's uh, Bull Durham. Yep. Uh, the other one is True Romance, with Christian. Uh, that was actually written by by Tarantino, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though he didn't direct it. Correct. It was a Ridley Scott or my one of the Scott brothers. And uh, the final one is, and I get joked, I get made fun of, is Dumb and Dumber. That's a good movie. It, I quote it still to this day. It's the thirteen year old in me still yeah. quotes it inside. And I, I at least once a year. Have to watch Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, I mean, it's just I haven't it's seen just that like, in Blu-ray it's yet. It's just like see it in Blu-ray. a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. It and is. I, you can't stop thinking about how they made it then with all that. You know what I mean? It's incredible. Like, I, it's just so yeah. Oh, all very good choices. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. Plus, I got a double feature. <laughs> yes, you but did. I, but that I, counts as I one honestly movie. think that it's uh, yeah. Like he wanted to. Yeah. It's a, basically a four-hour movie that they were like, we can't release these all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. Well, James, thank you so much for thank being on the show. Thank you for having me. This is great. For my parting tune this week, I am going comics as well. Kind of. When I was growing up, there was this arcade down in Miami called Riverboat Playhouse. And I can still see the weird giant paddleboat building that existed there. And I remember going to that arcade with my dad. And I remember specifically always rushing to one singular machine there. It was the Superman arcade game. It was, at the time, the peak of technology, and I couldn't get enough of it. But moreover, the whole time you're playing, the John Williams Superman score is just blaring out of this thing in all of its 8-bit glory. Even when I hear the real John Williams orchestral score, I'm kind of five years old again, back at Riverboat Playhouse, with my dad watching over my shoulder as I played this video game all Saturday morning. We usually make three song stories at the studios of WGCU Public Media on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Mike Canary is co-creator and host. Richard Chinqui is co-creator, producer, and host. Tara Callaghan is our online content producer and host. Audio production is by Jared the Intern Gonzalez. And Chris Duffis is our executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. Keep listening. <laughs>